and welcome to the Talking Heads podcast with Lucy and Saul, two head gardeners in Essex and Devon. In light of the coronavirus crisis we are living in and the drastic changes in horticulture happening up and down the UK, we both realised that bringing a regular glimpse into the gardens we look after might bring a little joy and interest. So for the foreseeable future, Talking Heads will now be a shorter podcast where Lucy and I bring you snippets of our daily lives in our gardens as spring unfurls. We'll also bring you news of gardens and gardeners, nurseries and nursery folk throughout the UK. So sit back, take a few minutes out of your day and tune into a small dose of our gardening lives. So I would like to open up this podcast this morning by saying how blooming excited I am about my bearded irises. I, I'm not surprised. I, uh, if anyone hasn't seen them, go on to Lucy's Twitter feed. She's done both a picture and a video, I think. I think I saw a picture this morning, didn't I? Yeah, I did a video yesterday and a picture this morning. And they are glorious. Do, do you know, I remember we came down, when we first did started this podcast, we came and did a, the tour of East Donnellan back in November. And we were chatting about those irises because they're right next to your wisteria arch, aren't they, I think? And, yes, um, they are. Yeah. And uh, you were, and I was talking about the colours and you were saying how beautiful they were. And I think, you know, it is, it is quite hard. You try and even for a, a seasoned gardener to actually imagine these things. But then when you see them in the flesh, like you've shown us, they are, they are glorious, isn't it? They're really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. For, just to paint the picture for those who haven't yet seen the tweets I've put out, um, at the hall, as Saul says, we have a wisteria kind of walkway and it's also got laburnum uh, draped over there. So you get the beautiful racemes of the, we've got wisteria sinensis. So the scent is, is, is knockout. It's absolutely delicious. With sinensis, you get the flowers and then you get the leaves later. And that's the beautiful thing with that particular species. You get the you get the full impact of the flowers. So we've got those flowering, the laburnums, with the, the golden yellows all dangling down. We've got rose alchemist, which has got this beautiful terracotta style flower, so fully, fully double. It's it's just you want you just want to fall into the flowers. And then to top it all off, on the left and right of this walkway, we've got about a bed that's maybe at the narrowest point, maybe half a meter, going up to two meters where it spreads out at the top, and it's full of bearded iris of all different tones of purple, almost black, light blue, terracotta, yellow, white. Oh, and there at the moment, they are looking so, so lovely. I think they've really enjoyed this hot weather that we've been having of recent. And I think also that rain that we had right back early in the year allowed them to make lots of extension growth to get really tall flowering spikes. Um, anyone who's grown bearded iris they will know that they're an absolute labor of love because the rhizomes need to be baked by the sun so they can't get shaded out by other plants so for example if on our sandy soil it's such a weed bed um we, we're continuing having to weed this area and it's very difficult to tiptoe between the rhizomes and not crush them and get the weeds out so we do there's a when it's not doing its thing we do kind of get a little bit like oh We've got to go and work on the iris bed and we get a little bit disheartened. But then looking at them today and this week, oh, it so, so makes it worth it. Jade, our apprentice at the hall, she's been, she, this is the first year she's ever seen them flowering because she came to us in the back end of last year. So she has had the weeding experience and she's had that kind of tough love and the labour of love that that brings you. But she'd not seen them flowering and she actually took her son and um, her two boys, sorry, and her husband to see them because they look so Oh, just 
just delicious, really good. It's nice when you've put hard work into something to actually see the fruits of your labours in some mm. way. So I'm sure she enjoyed it. The the other annoying things about uh, uh, irises uh, the, with the rhizomes is you can't hoe you can't hoe the beds either to make it much no. easier on yourself. You literally do have to get in there and pick every little weed out. We have we yeah. don't have many at, at Stoners. I've actually got a mystery flag iris that flowered for the first time last year. It's a blue, a very subtle blue, um, but it's actually like you. It is flowering its socks off this year so i think you're right about mm. that the weather conditions really suiting it and i've matched it with um, lunaria annuum alba which is the white variegated honesty so i've got the yes. blue and the yep. white honesty and uh, and behind it we have uh, wisteria sinensis alba the white wisteria so very similar to your scheme and the combination and just the timings as well the flowering they're all combining at the same all together, time all synchronized aren't uh, they absolutely yeah. It's, yeah. it is a glorious uh, look uh, and the other thing that we got flowering at the moment stone is which is my absolutely all-time favorite i think i've mentioned it about 100 times on this podcast is uh, the <laughs> asphodelus luteum the yellow Yay, asphodel. asphodelus and I, <laughs> I can't believe how much it's flowering this year similar to the iris it's it's at least double the amount of flowering spikes coming out of it and because uh, we've not really had any major wins or anything it's bolt upright and it's spreading through the beds and as an early display before that main crescendo in the herbaceous beds it's looking superb so yeah at the moment yeah. i think our gardens are looking quite nice aren't they oh no well you say at the moment because we this is the subject of our yes. podcast today because i am so making the most of these irises because i know that the weather is going to change we've had mm. this lovely sort of like southerly um warm weather high pressure's been over us it's been lovely and suddenly on the turn of a sixpence almost we're going to get this cold trunk coming in from the north and it's coming in later today tonight and there tonight in Essex the temperatures are going to go down to five which is not too bad tomorrow night is due down to go down to two where we are all oh, right uh yeah so I'm and and that is in the we've worked out that when they predict these temperatures because we're a little bit more out in the sticks, actually it can go down even less for us. So it might be going down to zero to to, to something that's actually going to touch on the, the cusp of being a frost. So um, I've been to the hall this morning to try to protect a few things that we had to... Um, well, we got early potatoes, for example, in the kitchen garden that were already nearly a foot high now. So we've earthed those up as much as we can to insulate them. And we've also put some bubble wrap over them and some wire hoops and some tarpaulin it looks very it doesn't look very pretty but hopefully it's going to get them through um this just this couple of nights where it's going to be it's going to be cold it's going to get very very quickly warmer warmer again um but yeah what are the, what's going to happen to the iris the winds are getting up today it's going to be 40 mile an hour winds whereas it's been so still and i don't know what the cold's going to do to them i, I think the winds are going to really desiccate them and mm. i'm just like oh well, oh, I, at least you've got at least you got that pictorial and video evidence that they they did look good. Had the <laughs> had the owners gone out to see yeah. them? That's probably one of the things you should uh, think about. Yeah, they have. They have. That's they good have. because that's always yes. that. Yeah. You know, that's one of the worst things is the you have something that looks gorgeous. And then suddenly you have these changes in the weather, a bit of wind, a bit of frost, something. And uh, it's, it's like our magnolias or our rhododendrons down here. They are literally looking glorious. And then overnight, it, it, and it literally can be just overnight, all the petals mm. will drop or they'll all go brown and mushy. And then yeah. you have to explain to the owner, well, it did look good. It's a classic garden, <laughs> head gardener saying, isn't it? It looked good last week. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> you know, I, I, 
I, I think it's it's interesting that we we're, we're talking about uh, the weather and frost because the one thing that a lot of the gardening programs, TV programs, and magazines don't get over is that we are actually quite um, uh, the country can vary, can't it? So me and you do have um a, a more southerly outlook when it comes to our thinking about our climate and our growing seasons yes. especially me down here in devon we're practically subtropical I, i've been out today feeding my brugmansia and my outdoor uh, thermometer says uh, 25 degrees c so literally i'm in shorts and a t-shirt and i've got a hat on just to keep the sun off me but um obviously today i, I think even last night lots of if we got a lot of northerly listeners or in in scotland even they've actually been contending mm. with really cold temperatures single digit temperatures and frosts up yeah. there already so in some ways the the variation from my part of the country right down here all the way to the top can be quite stark which means that we do have very different um growing uh, schedules um i know that's especially so for vegetables and fruit um lots of things that we can get away with here maybe two three weeks early or even overwintering, uh, they would never be able to get away with up north so it's always worth I think it's always worth when you're giving out advice uh, or when we give out advice we do have to think slightly about which part of the country people are talking about well we do and you know also now with this uh, this age of um, social media platforms and uh, I mean we, we we know from looking at the stats on our podcast that we have a lot of American listeners so hello to those and and people from from New Zealand and uh, we had someone from Brazil listening we've got a lot of people worldwide listening to us now which is lovely so thank you so much for doing that and I've noticed that sometimes people ask me on Twitter, um, for example, when I put my cosh video out, they were saying, why do you need to protect these crops? But then I realised, because they were tweeting me in the afternoon, that I'd got this, the, the the American audience was sort of waking up and asking me questions. And so now it's not just so much about thinking, oh, gosh, hang on, let's just remember whether somebody's in, say you know, in central, in, in, um, in the Midlands, inland, going to experience really cold nighttime temperatures, like you say, Scotland, or are they in the southwest, right on the coast, where it's going to be beautifully mild? It's now actually, what country are you in to, for, to start off with? And mm. then, then make the decision on um, the, the climate and what's going to happen there. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it, that you've got to kind of bear all these things in mind these days. But it's what it does in that sense, it educates you as to what these other countries' climates are like, which I find fascinating because I still can't, I know it's, it's, it's basic geography, but I still can't get my head around the fact that some countries are just coming into their autumn or they're mm, you know they're, yeah. they're, they're in the middle of winter coming out i it just makes my head spin. and talk about the U- usa is always a really tricky one for me because it's it's got almost all climatic zones somewhere in the country yeah, exactly. so uh, like i was saying in the last podcast where i was talking to the guys in florida about their gingers completely tropical subtropical they don't hardly get you know they probably haven't heard of a frost down there i know i know when i went to australia uh, to go and look uh, orchids in queensland um they were talking about how cold their winter had been and they were all in jumpers and it was about 27 degrees c and that is cold there and they're in jumpers <laughs> i am sweating in shorts thinking you know this is this is crazy but um, I, yeah. I think it's yeah. the other thing is, hey, gardeners, that we've got to be aware of is getting a bit into our comfort zones with our own climate. I know down in, down in Devon, Cornwall, the south coast here, we can get a little bit complacent, especially, I would say, in the last decade where temperatures are definitely changing. Uh, climate change is definitely having an effect and the, the winters are getting milder. But 
uh, things like what is about to happen this evening will happen and temperatures mm. can drop all of a sudden. And just because it's May and we feel like we're on summertime and, and we're, we're, well, we shouldn't be out, but uh, some people are out sunbathing and that kind of thing. But it doesn't mean that we can all of a sudden change back into our winter coats and um, issues that come around because some of us have planted out tender stuff uh, you were talking about your potatoes I know there are probably a lot mm. of people around the country who have already planted out things like courgettes and and French beans um, but they really ha- maybe have to think a bit more about issues such as weather when it comes to this and maybe think about putting that a bit later I know everyone's very keen to get their growing seasons up and started but they really have to I think they are this year yeah they really have they really have to take into account the the changes that can still happen in May even down in my neck of the Mm. woods so I think if you get a bit too you can get a bit too complacent especially if it's years of having the mild weather um You've done your potatoes, but what other kinds of frost proofing have you have you done, or even at home? Have you have you done anything else? I've still, um, I'm, at the moment, I'm my tomatoes are still all in the greenhouse, and most of my beans are. I did put some French beans out into the ground just to see what would happen with them being out early, and they've been out for about three weeks now, but um, they haven't moved whatsoever. They haven't put on any growth. They're obviously alive and they're they're settling in, but I know that um, really. There was nothing to be gained from that. I, I was planning to crop them in the greenhouse and then my greenhouse got so full of seedlings. I thought, oh, do you know what? I'm going to have to put these outside. And we've put them under glass cloches. And then every night for the first fortnight, we had them under, we had lengths of carpet and also some dust sheets that we use for, for DIY. We just have put those on every night just to protect them. And that's, we haven't done that for the last week or so. We've we've let them, we've sort of, we're almost experimenting, seeing what, you know, what can they get? away with what kind of nighttime temperatures are they happy with and it's been going down to maybe seven or eight something like that and that's been fine but I do know that tonight and especially tomorrow night when it's due to go down to two the carpet and the ground sheets and they will all be going on um I did have some well we still have you know there's some pelagoniums at the hall that I had in a an unheated little greenhouse and they sit there all winter it's like I say it's not heated but it's protected I keep them quite dry because any plant that's borderline hardy will get through winter much better if it's kept quite dry that's a key thing to remember if you're if you're if you're new to this a new a new gardener just getting to grips with what you need to do for uh, these kind of um, tender plants keep them relatively dry but because we'd had that lovely lovely sunny weather throughout all of April the growth that they were putting on was really quite fast soft and I was thinking well hang on these still can't go outside these pelagoniums so I will let them grow in the greenhouse. They, they'd even started flowering. But what I did um, about a week ago is I cut them back quite hard and got them outside because I couldn't keep them in the greenhouse any longer because it was so warm. They were growing too quickly and they weren't they were growing what we call soft or lush and leggy. And you need to actually kind of harden them off and get them to grow more robust and, and in get used to those sorts of cooler temperatures. So I've moved them outside, cut them back. They've been outside for about a week, but obviously for tonight and tomorrow night, the the temperatures would be too cold for them to even really survive. They'd get burnt off. So I've covered those over with um, a, a, a big old layer of bubble plastic. And also I've got some kind of like um, 
It was like a packaging material which some plants came with. It's like a compressed wool mat. And I actually laid that over the top of the plants first, then put bubble wrap over them, then pegged the whole thing down. Because um, they're big pots, I didn't want to move them back into the greenhouse. So that's that's what's happened with those pelagoniums. So, but yeah, like I say it's mainly been the for me at the moment, either keeping tender plants inside. We've got things like morning glory, um, which will go to the front of the house. It looks lovely either side of the the main doorway, but that's very tender. They are staying inside. We've got some insettis and some uh, some musa. Uh, the dahlias, the cannas, they are they are all inside the big greenhouse still, and I haven't moved those out. Um, so yeah, you can either keep things inside if it's going to get cold. I say do try and keep them relatively dry for these this little cold snap if you possibly can. Or if things are out, as I say with the potatoes, you can mound them up to protect the foliage and that insulates them in 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 that sense. Or things such as bubble wrap or any you know like I say carpet is very good insulating material like that laying over the top of the plants. Um, will temporarily shield them. You can have it in place. I mean, we're not going to go to the hall again now until um, Monday evening or, or Tuesday. The, 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 the covers in place actually, they do exclude light, but you can get away with it for a couple of days, um, leaving it on, you know, 48 hours. That's, that's not too much of a problem, but you wouldn't want to leave it on for, say, three or four days. You'd have to take it off every day just to let the light in. So so what about you, Saul? I mean, that's, that's my approach. What, what have you been doing? Yeah, it's interesting. Again, um, mindful that I'm in Devon, the minimum temperature reported for tonight is going to be five degrees. Now, that is cold for down this way in general through the winter. Um, so, you know, we are mindful of that, but I'm pretty confident that we're not going to uh, get a frost if i lived up on the moors up on dartmoor or maybe into north devon a bit more inland like you were saying with the midlands then we they do tend to get lower temperatures up there due to the uh the elevation so they may get a bit of a uh, bit of frost up there because stonelands and my personal house are only a, um well a couple of meters not a couple of meters a couple of hundred meters from the coast we get the old coastal environment that keeps things warm uh so at stonelands i haven't really i haven't really done anything to protect anything but the main thing is is that nothing's gone out yet in that tender um group so all of my courgettes all my french beans um i am also growing ipomea that's all still inside the greenhouse and in the greenhouse we do have an automatic fan heater which is a which is a brilliant piece of kit because a it keeps things uh sort of above around 10 degrees through through the winter but it also i can switch the heater off and then it acts as a as a fan during the summer just to um reduce the amount of moisture because the one thing i did notice uh when i first started stoners was we get a lot of mildew i tried to grow melons once in the greenhouse and i noticed they just all dissolved with mildew so once i put in the fan that actually reduced the amount there so fa fan heaters can be great in that way at home uh, uh, on the contrast, uh, as most people know, I grow all of these very, very susceptible exotics. Most of them don't like it cold temperatures, and I must say, the April had uh, had put a lot of people in my in my growing group, a lot of my exotic friends, into a false sense of security. And lots of people have taken things outside and planted them up, but I was umming and ahhing. I must say, at the end of April, whether to take my polytunnels down. So I sort of went half way and I've taken the covers off. So at the moment, there's just frames sitting there. And am I glad I'd, I'd left the frames up because the covers are going to go straight back on tonight. And I'm actually probably going to get my fan heaters back out and actually stick them in just for tonight because it looks like um, Monday night, Tuesday night, the temperatures are creeping back up to about eight 
uh, 8-9, which I'm quite happy with. But the main problem for me is just um, making sure the growth isn't checked too much because everything has been putting on this nice, lush growth. I've been feeding everything and it looked like it was going to be you know, a really good start to the season. And this, just just one night, this one little dip in temperatures may mean that things will just stop for maybe a week or two. Uh, and in terms of the plants I grow, which all have a very specific season, they'll all crescendo in August, uh, one or two weeks waiting could be the difference between having uh, uh, a second season of flowering or just having the one season of flowering. We were talking before we, we recorded this that actually some plants will, they will take a frost. Some tender plants... And we were talking specifically uh, about things like dahlias and potatoes. Anything that's got like a, a tuberous or rhizome or fleshy rootstock, um, as long as that is insulated from the cold, if the top growth does get burnt off, as long as that root system is still alive, and these fleshy root systems have a lot of energy, they're like real big powerhouses too, they can, they can rejuvenate, they will be able to come back. So I think if anyone's listening to this thinking, oh my goodness, I've planted out all my dahlias or like me we've got early potatoes in a kind of sunny corner that have romped away about nearly a foot high you think what can we do don't you know do try to protect them if you can but if you if you're physically not able to um have some reassurance that as long as the tubers stay alive uh, and the ground we're not going to get a penetrating frost i don't think in the uk it's going to be more like a, what we call like an, an air frost something just scorching them off um they they will come back you might find that, yeah, growth is checked by a bit, but often, the, like you say, these exotics, that once they get into that warm spell, they will romp away and they will catch up. So um, we don't want anyone to be too disheartened, but if you do want to take some kind of action, then hopefully we've given you some ideas. So that's today's podcast. We hope you enjoy this shortened format and the look at our lives and our gardens. Hopefully you'll tune in again soon to hear about what we're up to. We understand that for many, life has changed in ways not imagined during the start of this year. Our thoughts especially go out to all our colleagues and peers in horticulture that have been drastically affected, and we hope that life will return and, like all good plants, flower again much better than before. In the meantime, please do get out into your gardens, support your local small specialist nurseries and enjoy time out from this extraordinary shift in ordinary life. Until the next episode of Talking Heads, goodbye! goodbye. So I have to open up this podcast. Oh, can't even say it. So I would like to open up this podcast. Oh, <laughs> that was last night. You had the prosecco. Yeah. <laughs> this is going at the oh, end. No, it's this not. Is going at the end. <laughs> Hang on. Right, gather myself. So I would like to open. Up-